Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 152, the Ole 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 episode. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good evening. And Matt Smith. Good evening. So, the Canadians were supposed to have been swept in three games and then surrender for the fourth, have now turned this shit around and turned it into a seven-game series, as somebody here had predicted. You did. You did. You and Eric Engels, I think, are the only people in the history of predictions this year that predicted seven games. Yes. Yes. So the Canadians have turned it into a one-game playoff where anything can happen. So we'll talk about game six. The ups, the downs, the lack of ice time for certain players for some unknown reason. Maybe the possibility we see Romanov for game seven. Yeah, probably not. Uh, anyway, so, uh, all right. Baby Gap, I mean, uh, Treg, what did you see in that first period that you enjoyed? Uh, just the intensity of the, the Canadians, man. They, they controlled the play. They uh, did everything but put the puck in the net. Um I thought they played great in the first period. I thought it was one of their better periods in the uh, playoffs. Um, they just kept rolling the lines and putting it to it. Uh, Deshar made uh, good decisions on his line line uh, changes and uh, his matchups. And uh, yeah, Habs did everything right except. Put, but I'll give credit where credit is due. Campbell played a good game. Campbell made some big stops. So, yeah, he made some really nice saves in the um, first period. And uh, yeah, that's what I seen in the first period. I seen exactly what I wanted to see except the goals. I was, I was uh, pushing when the Canadians were down three, one, I was really pushing it so that they can win a game just to have a game in front of the fans for game six. They did that. They, 
they won in overtime in game five to make this game happen. And of course, people were saying, people in, out of Ontario were saying, eh, having fans there, that's not a big deal. No, uh, whatever. But when, when you've gone 480 some odd days, almost 15 months without fans in a stadium, the first game with actual fans in Canada for a hockey game in Montreal, in a playoff game against the storied rival, you know that those fans, even though there's only 2,500, are going to be crazy loud. And it seemed to really push the Canadians. They, they came out flying. So, Matt, what, what about you? What did you think of that first period? I was saying the same thing as Trig. Uh, I think they came out flying, and I, I think they really used the fans uh, to their advantage. Um, yeah, as you said, there was 2,500 people there, most of them being Habs fans. As we saw, there were uh, quite a few Leafs fans, which would have been the same thing as if it would have been in Toronto. You would have saw your handful of Montreal fans. Um, yeah, I think they uh, I think they controlled the the majority of the play. I think they uh, they were hard on the puck. They were getting pucks on net. Um they were hired on the uh, on the penalty kill as well, especially early on, and uh, I, I really think that um, personally, I, I, I thought that they uh, they had a fantastic period and that uh, that could roll over to the rest of the game. Um, big big contributions from uh, from uh, from from uh, guys like Evans uh, early on in the game. See, now I wanted to talk about Evans a little bit. Uh, he took over Tatar's spot on that line with uh, Gallagher and uh, Deneau. And in the first two periods, that line was just flying. Deneau, at, after, uh, up to the second intermission, had about a 68% face-off rate. And, it was re- and even though they didn't get any goals, they did extremely well in shutting down the Leafs' top offensive weapons. Matthews and Marner were kept silent all night. They threw Nylander on that line, trying to outmatch the Canadians on there, but they couldn't. And I think it has a lot to do with the energy and speed that Evans brought to that line. He, the, only, uh, the only player that played more than Evans was to know. Yeah. That's saying now, something. That's saying something. And Tatar wasn't bringing that kind of energy. He was, he was very lethargic, I guess. I mean, he was sitting back a lot. Evans was pushing the play. He was going, he was using his foot speed. He was, he's a very smart player, even though he's a rookie, he knows where he needs to go. He knows what he needs to do. And he did it. He brought the energy they needed and it paid off for that line tonight. Yeah. Evans was night and day for what Tatar was bringing to that line. Um, that line still didn't score, but at least they were creating offense and creating chances. Uh, actually, Deneau almost scored the first goal of the game, uh, but uh, Campbell came up big on a, on a nice save. Yeah, and then Stahl got robbed. Campbell with the two-pad stack. You, you know, we can hate, you can hate the Leafs all you want, but that effort by Campbell tonight, you have to give him credit. He was excellent. He did play. He did play a good game, and I'm just gonna. I'm gonna see if uh, I watch the um, the interview later on to see if he takes the blame for it, like he usually does. He definitely. He definitely shouldn't. He definitely. Uh, he definitely played a hard game tonight, and it, it definitely wasn't on him. Well, we've covered no, enough he... of the Leafs in this show. I mean, <clears throat> Sportsnet does enough of it for uh, for them. 
if if you were watching Sportsnet, uh, you could be excused for not understanding that there were a second team in this game because all they did was just they they revved up that leaf blower and they were giving Matthews everything they could. They stretching. Oh my God. Uh, they they had to go and find something he was leading his team in, and apparently it was blocked shots at two. Hide with to know. Yeah, I don't think uh, he'd be leading that anymore. I think uh, the D, uh, the Leafs D was blocking a lot of shots. I mean, both teams were, both sides were. Uh, Perry took a couple off the hand, and Schrott made a couple good blocks. Uh, yeah, Perry was a gamer tonight, scoring that first goal on the power play. And we're going to get into the power play here in a little bit. But scoring that first goal on the power play, blocked the shot with his hand twice. You saw him on the bench. He had that thing wrapped up with ice in between shifts. Like the guy was, he was a he was a warrior in this game. He, this is where the experience of bringing in Cup winners started to pay off. That's why they brought him in for for That's moments like for moments for moments like this. Now I think that. Mine has been playing well this whole series. That Perry Stall and Armia, Armia now was yeah. Anderson yeah. to start, yeah. but uh, I think I think they've been playing well considering what they're out there for. Or they're there to eat up some minutes and kind of play heavy hockey. And the Canadians tonight played heavy hockey. They finished all their checks. They were on the forecheck hard, using their speed. Finished the check on the forecheck. You can, you can see that defenders were, were rushing their plays. In the first two periods, they would rush plays to reverse it the other way to try and avoid getting hit. The Canadians were reading it well. They did not capitalize in those two first periods. Uh, the Canadians could have easily, after having a... Um, they had an expected goals for of around 75 in the first two periods. They should have been up 4 nothing. If you have numbers like that, you should be leading by a few goals. But Campbell did. But Campbell kept them in. Now, let's talk about the special teams. The Canadian special teams tonight showed up. The penalty kill was uh, was perfect. It uh, it killed off some some hard penalties. That puck over the glass one. That's normally, like you said, Matt, it's, that's a, a backbreaker, but they killed that off. They killed off the slashes and the random trips submitted into a game. Um, but it's the power the, play. The, the holding the stick, even though you were hooked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that was Matthews's stick. So you're not allowed to touch that. But it's the power play. Up until tonight, the, uh, the Canadians' penalty kill was outscoring their power play. But tonight, the power play led the way. See, the, as we mentioned in our last episode with Lyle Richardson, the power play is not why they've been losing. But it could be a reason to, it could be the tool to help you win. And tonight, it was. Scoring two goals. Perry's first goal. And Toffoli with the second goal, his first of the playoffs. Now, I want to hear what you guys have to think about that. Uh, Matt, what about you? What did you see in the power play that you felt it was improved? I think having people in the stands, I think 20, you know, it took about 2,500 people for the, uh, for the power play to get better. Um, you know, it just seems like, uh, like that first one was a little bit of a, uh, was a little bit of flop and it was kind of like, here we go. Let's just uh, defer as many of these uh, penalties as we can. 
Um, but then, uh, then they had a little bit more opportunity. They were moving the puck a lot better. They weren't uh, predictable. It wasn't just let's get it to the same guy that shoots every time and shoot the puck. They were uh, they were crashing the net. They were looking for rebounds. Uh, there was a few quick whistles as we uh, as we uh, we noticed throughout the game, oh, and yeah. um, it, it was it was really all about um, effort level, uh, especially on the Perry goal. And um, I, I I think they got a little bit. Uh, I think they got a little bit lucky with that coach's challenge by the Leafs uh, by the Leafs brass. Um, I don't. I, I honestly don't think that they had a chance of getting that. And if if Campbell would have shown some effort, I think really that he thought the puck was under his skate or under his pad or something, and that's why maybe he didn't get up in time. If he would have even tried to slide over at all and make any contact with Toffoli, that play would have got um, yeah. blown back. It would have came back for sure. But he, he didn't. didn't. But he did, and I'm very happy that the that the that the refs saw it that way as well. And uh, and soon after, um, Marner takes a, a puck over glass as well, and Toffoli gets his first of the playoffs, um, assisted by Suzuki. And Petrie picks up a point, which is the in six games the first point by a Canadian's defenseman. We brought that up in the last show um, that the you know the Canadians D had to come to play, and I know we're going to get into this later on, but. Uh, you know, this was a big game for the Canadians' defense. Yeah, that uh, that goal uh, challenged by the uh, the Leafs, I think it challenges the uh, the one the Canadians made earlier in the series as being one of the dumbest challenges you've ever seen. Well, when you get ten minutes to make a challenge, you can see it at every angle, yeah, and then make right. sure you want to make. The, I mean, that was yeah. the longest I've yeah, ever was, seen them that wait. That was a little. That was a little much it was for a little for much. for someone to do a challenge. Yeah. Well, they had to make sure to get to the bench, and they they're like, "You sure you want to? You, you don't want to ask anything? I mean, we're gonna have we're gonna have Toronto review it anyway because we don't want Toronto to lose to because of Toronto. So, well, yeah. uh, I but you no, know it what, was a dumb, dumb, dumb dumb plan to challenge that one you know what Tofoli, i think it was Tofoli, was in the crease um yeah, he was yeah and i you know what i was thinking this is going to be called back simply because Tofoli's in the crease i agree should never have been goalie interference Tofoli, yes he went into the crease with the defenseman but then the defenseman held him in the crease and campbell didn't even make any yeah. effort to try Cam- to get all back campbell had to do is try to sprawl push he just literally had to touch him and be yeah. like i was reaching for the puck or i was trying to get yeah. into the play and that would have been right back 100 yeah. yeah but uh, yeah but it, this, he didn't no and this, the second goal in the power play just to go back to what we were talking about the power play I thought it was good movement by the puck. They didn't, uh, like Matt, you said, they changed it up a bit. They weren't just perimeter passing. And finally, Suzuki got it to Foley, and he took a good shot and put it in the net. Like, they started actually shooting, and they were putting players in front of the net. That's how you get that scramble in front of Campbell for the first one. Uh, yep. and, and that's what they got to start doing. Well, up until the overtime, the Canadians led the game in uh, high-danger chances in the slot. They were leading, uh, it was 11 to seven before the overtime and then overtime happened and the Leafs caught up in that aspect but um yeah but the power play was was a weapon tonight and then it put Toronto on its heels a little bit but not for too long because you know they got a couple of lucky bounces to tie the game up but they got those lucky bounces because they were going to the net they were pushing the play and the Canadians let themselves get bottled in a little bit because they sat back on the lead. And by going to the net, 
just putting pucks on net, good things happen. And that's how they got their, their two goals. Yeah, I was, I was kind of clock watching and I, the, I was clock watching because I was thinking, all right, when is the Le- when are the Leafs going to pull Campbell? We're up to nothing. I suspect around the three minute mark is when they're going to start thinking about uh, three, four, you know, maybe even four, uh, three minute mark, I think is the best mark. So I was expecting the Canadians to start settling back around the five minute mark, you know, like sit back. All right. They're going to pull the goalie anytime now. We'll tighten up defensively and then basically we'll just ice the puck until we put it in the net or whatever. Uh, but instead they just, they pretty much scored the second goal. They had one good shift afterwards where they were in the zone for a bit. And then they just all backed up to the red line every time Toronto got the puck and allowed to Toronto to come in and, and, and do their thing. Um, they collapsed too early, too quick. And they had nobody to put an outlet yeah, pass to. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they and, were not uh, they weren't challenging Toronto in the zone entries. Toronto had a very easy time getting into the Canadian zone. Yeah. And and, and, well, that's what happens when you play safe. That's what happens when you collapse. And, and they left you're, their, you're and allowing they, them to come in. Yeah, and they let their and they let their they left the points wide open. Then that's what led to the first. They, yeah. That's what led to the second goal. Yeah. And, and then well, also a terrible no look backhand pass led to the second goal as well on, on the boards. But yeah. true, true. I don't but, care. I hate that pass. <laughs> But the Canadians sitting back and letting things happen, not challenging Toronto. You're, what, what gave them success up to that point was pushing the pace, going at Toronto, attacking their defense, especially a defense that was missing Muzzin after the middle of the second. Throw pucks into their feet, go right at them. That was the success for the Canadians up till about the 10-minute mark of the third. Then they stopped. And Toronto came back in because they weren't being challenged. Um, And that's, that's an issue. Also um, Ducharme shortened his bench on the blue line. You'll notice that, uh, that Gustafson and Kulak did not touch the ice very much at all, if at all in the third and not at all in the overtime with Kulak getting 618 and Gustafson getting 632. Is it 632? Yeah, 639 of ice time in that game total in an overtime game, not even seven minutes each. You've got guys like Sherratt doing 3430, Edmondson at 2837, Weber at 3616. I mean, when you're relying on the older, less mobile guys, Teams like Toronto are going to start to feast on you. And they they were really pushing the play. And they controlled the play once Ducharme shortened that blue line. They, uh, I don't mind that. I, I didn't mind him doing that. I, I just felt you should have waited. Kulak, sitting Kulak when you need goals, I don't think it's the right thing to do. Uh, same with Gustafin, really, if you think of it. Gustafin's a, 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 a offensive defenseman. Um, but I at least would have waited till shorten the bench to at least the way they shorten it to put your, your big stay at home guys though, till after I had the two, nothing lead. So, I mean, third pair D usually gets what 13 to 15 minutes a game in an uh, overtime game that goes to about the end of the first overtime. Maybe you'll get 20. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but six minutes is under seven minutes. Just ridiculous for a third. I can see telling me that Romanov can't do that. Listen, 
I, I would, if Rome, Romanoff will not be in game seven, I'm not even going to just, well, I'm not even going to debate this. I'm not going to discuss it. He will not be in game seven. You're, I think they're going to go back to Kulak and Merrill and you're going to see no, Gus. Merrill's, 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 oh, Merrill's hurt. So you, yeah. you'll stick with Kulak and, and Gustafson, which to me is stupid, but Especially I'm not the if coach. you're only giving them less than seven minutes ice time each. You may as well put to turn. I, I don't think the, I don't think that was right? the plan. Honestly, I don't, think, I don't think the plan was to only give him seven minutes. But the way the game went, uh, anyway, I still seven still, minutes. Seven. I would at least given. I could see Gustafson giving seven minutes, but I could see Kulak, uh, you know, kind of uh, rotating in with the guys to give him a little bit of a rest. So I can see Kulak getting about fifteen minutes at least. And maybe Gustafson eight, but yeah. uh, the thing is, like we talked about the power play and how it did. You know, Gustafson didn't do anything to improve that. And the and the and the, the one chance that the Leafs had um, early on in the game while well, the Canadians' power play shorthanded, it was Gustafson that was back. And uh, thank God Suzuki was there, or it might have went in the net. Man, True. Suzuki's back checking was on par tonight. He was he back checked a few times that helped uh, maybe. Uh, take away a scoring chance from the Leafs. Yeah. But I completely agree with uh, with Blaine. I, I, I really think that uh, if you're going to give the guy six minutes, put Romanov into the game. Um, put him in. Put him in. Like, what's there to lose? Um, you, we look the last two games. You have Suzuki scoring an overtime winner, assisted by Caulfield. And now you got Kakaniemi tonight. You know, those are these are the this is the youth movement that we've been talking about, and, and everyone's been talking about for the longest time. You take Romanov, you put him into that game. He got a guy that uh, just hits anything that moves and he does it clean, you know, put him into the game, give him those, you know, 10 minutes or less. And, and you will not be disappointed. I mean, put him in game seven. Now you're either going to look like a genius. Well, you're not going to look like a genius because you waited too long to put him in, but you're going to put him in and either he's going to play a big game and help you win the game or he's not. Yeah. And even if he doesn't play a big game, He's not going to lose you the game. No, no more than what uh, Mer- what Gustafson would do. That's right, right. So, yep. Yep. I don't know. I I don't know even why we're debating. It's not happening. So yeah. because it's just so asinine. That's right. It is I'm ridiculous not- to play two defensemen less than seven minutes each in a friggin' overtime game while you have your top defensive prospect who's a rookie sitting in the stands watching the game and has yeah. not even entered in a playoff game yet. Yeah. Maybe, we, maybe there's something more going on there. There could, there very there's well could be, be, but we don't know. All right. There's gotta be. But, but you look at the, you look at what the youth have done in this series and what they've done say in the last two years, give the guy's opportunity. If he's, if he's healthy, put him in. That's well, all I, I mean, can say. Cotton Amy scores four goals last year. Suzuki leads the team in scoring last year. The only reason they built the team the way they did and didn't run out and get a center in the offseason was because of the, the young centers that they had playing last year. So Evans yep. played a, a strong playoff series last year. Yep. They come into this year and they're like, all right, youth, eh, we, we want to play the vets. Although, I mean, they're, they're, they're changing. The youth is getting – Caulfield and Suzuki had tons of ice time the last few games. So, yep. Now, granted, Kotkaniemi through the season had a hard time. He had a difficult he time did. through the season. But now in the playoffs, after missing the first game, in five games, he's got three goals. Including tonight's overtime winner, 
to take it to game seven. The kid played clutch. He scored the goal. He, uh, he's got seven goals in 15 playoff games total. That's nearly a goal every other game in the playoffs. His goal per game rate in the regular season is about 0.18. Now it's about 0.45, He has more career playoff goals than Thomas Tatar. See? <laughs> and he is the clutchest playoff performer ever. I'm just and Tatar yeah. has 37 playoff games. Yeah, exactly. So. And how many how many playoff goals does uh, Brady Kachuk have? <laughs> just checking, just checking. Play uh, draft Zadina. bust. Zadina <laughs> filling nets. Woo! I love the Kachuk narrative because at the draft, everybody wanted Zadina. Everyone yes. wanted Zadina before no the draft. Because I remember saying, I want a Kachuk. Remember? I said, I want Kachuk, but they're going to draft Cotton Yammy. Right? I already knew this. <clears throat> yep. I wrote everyone an article. Else, including the wet lady. And everyone we've seen at that draft was like, oh, Zadina. Zadina's the guy. He's the, the high-flying forward. That's who we want. And Blaine, you and I were saying, ah, we've seen Nothing. him in Halifax. He got the, ah. He's missing stuff. Yeah, so stuff. for what was that about five months before the draft, I had written an article on Brady Kachuk about how he is my pick. I think the Canadians would take, should take him, blah, 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 blah. Then I got crapped on because it's supposed to be Zadina because Zadina is the best. He's the greatest. What do you know, Blaine? You're an idiot. He's not wrong. I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> <laughs> From time to time. Okay. They weren't But wrong, that's the thing. But... The, it, that draft, that draft year, the vast majority of people talking about that draft wanted Zadina. Yeah. But, but now, conveniently, it's Kachuk. Because Kachuk got himself a couple of decent seasons on a really shitty hockey team. And Zadina played in the minors his first season, and then it's not playing too bad for Detroit right now. Not playing great, but not playing too bad. But if Zadina comes back next year and scores 30 goals, they'll we turn around and Zidina. say, well, we should have picked Zadina. It, it's, it's a moving target. The bottom line is they picked Kotkaniemi, who is the top center. And if you're going to compare two, set, uh, two players from that draft, you go to Barrett Hayton. Yep. I totally agree. He, he was picked fifth by Arizona. Centers develop differently than wingers, especially when you're playing on teams that are expected to do a little bit more versus teams are expected to do much less. So I'm sorry, but the kid is built for the playoffs. He's a big bodied center and he shows up in the playoffs. You want Tatar, that. Tatar gets you there and Cotton Yemi gets you through. It, yes. He is, a, he is a player that will win you games in the playoffs. He did that for Finland in, the, uh, in international play. He's doing it for Montreal now. Not just because he scored a, an overtime goal tonight, but because he scores goals through the playoffs, playing a physical style. He is a power center come playoff time. You can't keep that pace up through a regular season. So he's going to have peaks and valleys, but come playoff time, the kid shows up. You know, he's six foot two growing into his frame. He's going to be, uh, I guess, by the, by the time he's 23, probably closer to six, two and a half to six, three playing at about a 215 to 220. That's going to be, that's a big kid. So 
why not hand the team over to these guys? Suzuki scored the overtime the last one. Cut. Can you hand me on this one? Caulfield was dangerous every time he touches the puck the entire time he's been in the series. This is an interesting stat I just read. That uh, goal by number 15 was scored at 15-15. It was the 15th shot of the overtime period. It was meant to be. <laughs> Trag Wilson with his deep stats. <laughs> that, was sport, that was Sports Mom that put that. That, is, that is some deep, deep analytics. <laughs> I, I read Sports Mom, who follows me on Twitter. She put that out, so I'm not taking the credit for her tweet. I'm just, I'm just reading it. I don't want her, you know, I don't want everyone shitting on me because I, someone thought I took credit for someone else's tweet. So. <laughs> uh, I'd like to point out that we had an inside man at the game. Uh, uh, Brian, Brian Wiley. He, uh, he was at the game with his son. They, uh, they had a blast. <clears throat> Some people kind of chirped him a little bit because his son is a, a Toronto fan. Uh, come on. You know, that's his kid guys. Let's look okay. up. Can root for whoever he wants to root for. Exactly. At least he wasn't kicked out for wearing a Toronto jersey. Unlike Tampa Bay. (laughs) And there was was a good contingent of Leaf fans in there. Uh, The only thing I could say about the Leaf fans that were at the game was I didn't appreciate the yelling of Go Leafs Go during the National Anthem. Yeah, that was a bit of a dick move. Yeah. But that's that's one or two drunken idiots, and I'm not going to paint an entire fan base yeah. over two morons. Yeah, and you can tell it was the same guy or same person, same people the whole time, yeah. right? So during the, the anthem, guy. during the anthem, shut the fuck up. That's all I can say. Yeah, don't the paint passion runs the same deep. Brush. Yeah, the passion runs deep in these two fan bases. Yeah, and this rivalry is strong. Okay. You can wait till the last line of O Canada, and then we all know as hockey fans that they write in crowd noise at the end. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Other than yeah. that, keep your mouth shut. So I'm not going to paint an, an entire fan base with a brush of two morons or three morons, just like leaf fans who are hate following us now shouldn't paint all Habs fans because of us three morons. Although I'd like to thank them for listening and remember use the code unfiltered 20. If you're going to be buying anything from builtbar.com, anything from East coast lifestyle at built bar, you'll save 10% East coast lifestyle. You save 20%. And now our newest sponsor SeatGiant.ca. You use a code unfiltered 20. You save 35% off your fees. When you buy tickets, show us Lee fans, show us how much you hate us by using our yeah. codes to save you money. Yeah, so you gotta dirty, think, dirty rat. If, if someone would have bought tickets to this Canadians game at like nine grand, and you take thirty five percent off those off those uh, off those fees, you're you're, you're saving some money. Yeah, it's, de- <laughs> it's now under nine grand. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. you're down you're, closer to about seven. Yeah, you're welcome. Ooh, I don't think you're down that far. Thirty five percent of nine. It's not nine though. <laughs> it's not nine. And I'm not saying that we we would profit from this, but we're here to help you. Right. So use the code unfiltered20 when you're ever at seatgiant.ca, builtbar.com, or East Coast Lifestyle and save yourself some money. Wait, you guys are getting paid? Yeah. <laughs> when did this start? <laughs> well, we give you, you get paid in uh, 
shirts from Baby Gap. I got an autographed book from Terry Ryan. That's all I've gotten out of this podcast. <laughs> Did he put the uh, what I asked him to inscribe in there? Uh, I don't remember. Treg, buy clothes that fit. Love Terry. No, no, I didn't. No? I, this did fit. This used to fit. Now COVID made me fat, so I don't fit no more. You could have just said it's all it's all the gym selfies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say to one guy, I was going to say, this is what happens when you actually know where your gym is. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. He said my son was, was my son's shirt, so I just asked him why he was worried about why my, what clothes my kids wear. So... <laughs> All right, what? so we're at about uh, we're we're rambling on. We're at about thirty minutes for this show after post game. Uh, the Canadians have forced the game seven. Something that uh, Leaf fans sure as heck didn't expect. They thought that the Leafs are going to walk away with this series, especially when they were up three one. So yeah. this has bought us two more days of peace and quiet on social media. Oh, Chris Ferreira, if you're out there. Um... Yeah, I haven't heard much from you lately. I'm just curious if you're all right. I just want to know if you're all right. That's all. I, I think Chris, you're all right, buddy. Chris shut, uh, shut down his uh, social media. I just want to know if you're okay. We still get that bet going on. If I win, you can you can give it to charity. I don't want it. And if you win, I will give it to you or wherever you want it to go. Speaking of which, the Montreal Canadiens have just forced Habs Unfiltered to donate another $25 to their Montreal Canadiens Children's Charity. It's painful. It hurts to hand over $75 now. Um, it would really suck if the Montreal Canadiens forced us to pay $100 after Monday. I would really hate that. That's 33 bucks each. <laughs> well, that's all that money is from Leaf fans who are using our promo codes. <laughs> so thank you for that. So yeah. thank you. The children, thank you guys. We don't make much money on this show, but what we do make, we hand over to charity. Usually Blaine's beer fund, but this time we're actually going to hand it over to charity. <laughs> yeah. When you get pay raises at work, you can afford beer on the side. Anyway, back to the game. It's getting late. Yeah. <laughs> so what a shitty overtime that was. Oh, like, that was, that was horrible. horrible. Yeah. I don't uh, know. That- I, I, my heart the whole time. Yes, I was just dying, and I'm really happy that uh, I'm really happy that they they ended it like they did. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry to everyone in my neighborhood that that heard those yells. Nobody was murdered. I swear to God, it was just me. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> yeah, that overtime. I mean, Montreal shot was shot thirteen to two, I believe, in overtime. Yeah, uh, wasn't even close. Toronto dominated that overtime. I mean, I think I yeah. Uh, DM'd you guys saying it's been 10 minutes and Montreal doesn't even have a shot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Carey Price held us in. Played an excellent game. Matter of fact, he had a 9.52 save percentage in tonight's game. Uh, trash. What a piece of trash. So Terrible. Fucking trade him now. We gave a lot of props to Campbell early in the game, but you know what? Carey Price came up with some big saves. And if it wasn't for Jeff Petrie, he would, probably would have had the shutout. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's true. Petrie yeah. wanted to make it interesting, I guess. Can't score on Leafs net, so he said, Ah, might as well tip stuff in on this net. Yeah. Um, he was doing the charot from last year, yeah. The, the charot in the playoffs last year, everything was going in off him in the Philadelphia yeah. series. 
Um, and I'm not blaming Petrie. The second one literally went off the toe of his skate. Uh, and, you know, the defender's going to do what he can do to whatever. But Carey Price, man, I don't care what anyone says. I was just had a conversation with someone. She said, uh, Price is all you have. You're not going to make it all the le- all the haves have. You're not going to make it right. I was like, and? I'll he's, ride part the, Car- he's, pro- he's part of the team. Yeah, I'll ride Carey Price right to the Stanley right. Cup if that's That's the way takes. I see it. You know, like a lot of people say that about Price. When he gets on, then – you know, he's the only reason why he's the only reason why I don't you know what? he's, he's on the team. Yeah. Right. Who cares? It, it, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing as all the other people that say, well, look at, um, you know, look at Kucherov or look at Matthews or look at McDavid or look at any of these, oh. you know, these are all high, high paid players as well. Who gives a shit? Montreal's got theirs. They got their star. It's not a guy that's going to put the puck in the net, but he's sure as hell going to stop it. Edmonton star didn't show up and they got swept. Toronto star isn't showing up and they're going to a game seven against a team people felt they should have beat yeah. in five in games. Four. Four or five. Uh, yeah, yeah, four or five games. Yeah. So hell, if those stars showed up, yeah. uh Edmonton and Toronto are playing themselves next week. Playing playing yeah. each other next <laughs> week. <laughs> a sports nuts job. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And not a word out of Sportsnet about Carey Price. I mean, Carey Price, Never here, where the hell was, are you guys? He was the second star of the game tonight. Yeah, Should have been the first star. If I was picking stars, he would have been the first yeah. star. Well, the but, overtime uh, winner always gets the first star. Uh, yeah, I know. But yeah. uh, um, Sportsnet never even meant they, they went on about how well Campbell was keeping big saves by Campbell to keep Toronto in the game uh, now that they're tied and nothing about Carey Price and how he literally kept Montreal in the game in overtime. Although I will say there wasn't a lot of high, there wasn't a lot of traffic in front of him in overtime, and a lot of the Toronto shots weren't really. He had a very uh, active glove tonight. Yeah, yes. very active glove. He made that really nice glove save off a deflection early in the yeah. game. Yes. Yeah. Um, he tra- He was tracking the puck extremely well. Like you said, he had a, over a nine fifty save percentage tonight, and for everyone that was saying. Carey Price is done. Well, he's not. No, we we got to put him he? on LITR for the regular season, like Tampa does with Stamkos and Kucherov, and then just put him <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. That'd be fine. I'd be That'd okay be with that. Yeah, ten and a half million you can play with until the playoffs come, and then you have all these star power in the playoffs with Carey Price. Yeah. And the cap and the cap <laughs> don't count in the playoffs. That's what That's I mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the Canadians have forced a game seven. They have won back-to-back overtime games, and we are going to do another post-game show or our regularly scheduled show come Tuesday. In that episode, we are going to have Brian Wiley, who was at the game tonight. So he's going to give us a little bit of a lowdown on the atmosphere at the game, the uh, – the atmosphere leading up to the game, everything that was outside, how what it was like inside. And judging by some of the DMs, he said, I, I was going to post some videos, but you couldn't hear me scream because I lost my voice after the second. It sounded pretty loud in there. Even though there's only 2,500 people, it sounded like it was almost a full house. It was very loud. It was very uh, – until the Leafs tied it, but uh, – um, it got quiet, but that goal, it was deafening in there from what I heard on my television uh, when they caught Emmy score that goal. 
ridiculously loud for such a small group. This is, this is exactly what I was hoping would happen for the Canadians to force a game to have the fans in and then to watch, watch them do so well for most of the game. And then to have such an exciting finish, you couldn't have asked for a better script for the fans in that, in that building Um, to have waited so long for a game in person with the way the vaccination rates are going across Canada. Now it's looking like possibly Christmas time and then everything's going to return to normal. So we'll be able to travel again. We'll be able to cross provincial borders without military exemptions. (laughs) We, you know, we'll, we'll be able to go back to normal. And that's, this was a little taste of that. So I don't have to hide my face in public anymore. Sorry. Sorry, public. (laughs) I'm no Matt. I'm no Matt Smith. True. But, but the good news is you'll be uh, you'll be posted to Montreal, and then we're going to just come stay at your house. Yeah, yeah, I'll be posted. That's not till next July, though. So yeah. I might be deployed, but we'll see. Come in Montreal. <laughs> come in McLean's Pub. I'm coming. I want my own seat. <laughs> I owe Jimmy Murphy a couple of shots, yeah. and I promised, I promised Shane over uh, over at uh, at uh, McLean's Pub that I was going to buy a couple buckets of Labatt Fifty. I told Shane I was just going to get those big uh, draft. Uh, oh, the big oh, yeah. towers. Big yeah. towers, yeah. Well, that's uh, what we're starting with. And so, John uh, also, John Lou and uh, Brian Mudrick want to go out after a game for, for a pint. Who doesn't want to hang out with a bunch of sailors? Yeah, and then we, can, then we can go to that other that place we went last time we went out and like get Putin at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Shapery? Uh, whatever it was, yeah, it was it was it was really good. That's all I remember. I had poutine. <laughs> the poutine was great, and the dancers were so entertaining. <laughs> There's a lot of rum that night. Let's just say that. Oh, all right, start, so I'm gonna we're rambling now. Again. We're rambling now. We should end the show here. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, the Canadians are going to Game Seven, and remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergie Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms. Today. Not a real product. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use... If you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? 
Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.